Her career started in investment banking, but after a impactful realization, this led her to change her career. Ashley Feinstein shares with us how all that developed in this episode. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Hola, welcome. I'm excited to have you here. This is Jen Hempel, your host, and I've got a great guest for you today. In this episode, you're going to learn her obsession with horses as a little girl and how that led to a really memorable purchase and how she went from an investment banker to becoming the fiscal femme, as well as a fantastic tip to help you debunk those limiting beliefs and why she wrote her book that recently hit the shelves. Let me share with you a little bit about Ashley Feinstein Gersley. She is an author, entrepreneur, and a feminist who is on a mission to end inequality through financial well-being. She is the creator of the 30-Day Money Cleanse program and author of the 30-Day Money Cleanse, which hit shelves on January 1st. As a trusted money expert, Ashley has been featured in Forbes, NBC, Glamour, Business Insider, among others. Lista? You ready? Let's go meet Ashley. Bienvenida, Ashley, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm excited to have you here and to connect with you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, especially since we share that commonality. We are in the personal finance space. We speak to women and they were passionate about that. So I'm really excited to dive in into your work. But first, I wanted to get to know you. We want to get to know you and your money story. How did you grow up around money? What did you see? What did you hear? What did you learn? So I have a really, it's kind of, it's funny and sad story to share about my first money memory. My parents did this allowance thing where we got an allowance that was the same as our age and you broke up the money based on spending, saving, and then giving. And I saved up a bunch of money for, especially given my age, I must've been nine at the time, maybe a little older. And I or even I asked my mom recently, we couldn't figure out if I was seven or nine or but I was really young. And I used to love these. They were like American Girl dolls, but I cannot for the life of me remember the brand. And they always sent catalogs and I had the catalog and I was obsessed with horses. I took riding lessons and had, you know, everything I wanted was horse related. And so I saw that there was a, a horseback riding outfit for my doll and it was $28. And so what I did is I went into, my mom had this drawer with all of her mailing supplies and I went in and I put $28 of cash in an envelope. I ripped out the page and circled the <laughs> the item that I wanted and I sent a letter in with the money and I never <laughs> received my riding outfit. And I'm, I can't remember if it, I don't know if someone stole it because the cash was mostly in one. So it was a pretty mm. thick envelope. 
maybe they didn't have my address. I don't know if I knew that I had to give my address. I think I filled out an order form. So I, maybe I was older, but with probably pretty bad handwriting. And I waited and waited. And I remember sharing it with my mom. And she's like, why did you do this on your own? I could have helped you. But I think that was my first interaction with my own money, using my own money. And it just stands out to me because I lost it and I didn't get the oh. item that I really wanted. Oh, not fun. But it was the time. I love that your parents did that in terms of giving that allowance because it's a time to, you know, have those experiences, make those mistakes because you learn from it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't stack up dollar bills anymore and put in them on envelopes <laughs> and send it in with an order. <laughs> I think that was probably the last time you did that. <laughs> yes, definitely didn't happen again. <laughs> right. And what else did you see? So your parents gave you allowance, you had that experience uh, with this order that you placed with dollar bills. What else did you hear your parents talk about money? What else did you see? Yeah. So I think the uh, having this bad experience where I saved up and I bought this thing that never came, I kind of, this what I decided is that this stinks. Like I don't want to deal with money. And I think that my parents were wanted me to focus on school and they wanted me to have fun. I was a kid. So we didn't really talk about it a lot and I didn't learn about it. And I think that was from a place of being very generous and wanting me to not have to stress about it. But I think that is really a lot of my mission and motivation to start the fiscal fund was from that because I just didn't know anything about money. <laughs> So even though they gave you the allowance, there was no conversations just because in their eyes, they didn't want you to stress about money, right? Yeah. And there probably, there had to be conversations like this is, I think another thing, the allowance, it was really the conversation around you give a third to a charity organization that's important to you. The actual allowance, it was in this contraption that's pretty cool that had compartments. So you had the giving compartment, you had the savings compartment and the cash compartment, and you weren't supposed to um, touch the savings. And then they helped you donate the giving part. Um, but I think generally, like more taking that to the next level was something that they said, you know what, we don't really want you to have to worry about this. Another memory I had is I remember back to school shopping and usually my mom would take us and manage kind of the budget of how much we could spend in her head. Mm -hmm. And one year she just told us a number and said, all right, this is how much you have to spend. And I remember it was a lot less fun <laughs> because I was so much more conscious of, okay, this is what I have. These are all the things that I need for my back to school. Like, how do I manage this. So I think it was a really great lesson, but I remember it being a lot less fun than saying, Hey, can I have this? And then she was the one who monitored it and said yes or no. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> and so you've had this amazing career. You've started the fiscal fam, but you weren't always doing what you're doing, the coaching and the financial wellness programs that you do. So what led you to start this? You also, you mentioned a part of it was the lack of conversation uh, on money. Were there other factors that led you to start the fiscal fem? Definitely other factors. So I studied finance in college. I went on to be an investment banker. All the while, I knew nothing about my own money. And so I left my investment banking job after two years and moved into corporate finance where I took a pay cut, but had so much more free time. And I was just bleeding through my money. I was living a lifestyle that was unsustainable. And I knew that if I wanted to have more free time, I had to figure this out and worked with, actually, I had a friend of a friend who had 
she was trying to get her life coach certification and needed hours. So I worked with her and we worked on one of my fears was having a voice and sharing on the internet. It felt really permanent. And what if I looked back and hated how it sounded and grew? And so we worked on that fear of mine and conquered it. And I started sharing what I was learning in my own money journey on my blog, The Fiscal Femme. So it actually started as a blog originally as I was learning. Mm -hmm. Love it. And so you started as an investment banker. You knew about money, but not personal finances. You bled through money. Then you got connected in that life coaching area and you started blogging as well. (laughs) Right. I realized I had to figure it out. So I started reading all these books and articles and testing out things that I was learning. And that's what I started writing about as my experience and what was working for me, what wasn't, and trying to make personal finance accessible, fun, and really like an as need to know, because we all are busy and we have other jobs that are not just managing our own money. So what do we need to know to be successful at this? Got it. Got it. So with Fiscal Fem, one of the things that I I love about you is that you're a life coach. (laughs) So you've gotten the education on on being becoming a life coach. So why did you feel that was important? As I mentioned when we before we started recording is that you're the second person that I've spoken to that is a life coach and is in the area of personal finance. I know there's more, but it's the second person I've spoken to. So why did you feel that aspect of life coaching uh, was important in bringing that piece to money? Such a great question. So I started this blog, I was writing about it. People started asking me for help and other sites asked me to write for them. And I thought, huh, other people are struggling with this too. And I think we don't realize that other people are struggling with it because they're not talking about it. We're not talking about it with our friends, our colleagues, even our partners. And when I started helping people, I found that definitely there's missing education that we need to understand the objective personal finance principles and how it all works. But the part where we, once we knew what we were doing and we had the education, we still weren't taking the actions that we wanted to. And I realized that it's so much more about the emotional behavioral sides of money than about the numbers. And that's often a part we don't look at. So very similar to food, I think money and food are really similar. And from there, I decided, all right, I'm going to get my coaching certification. And then I'm going to use all this finance knowledge and combine it with this coaching so that I can get the best results for my clients. Now, I love that you brought the live coaching piece to uh, money just because I definitely agree. In my experience, even though I had a lot of education in terms of finance and reading the personal finance books, and I always felt so savvy and smart with money, and we got to our 10th year in marriage, and I'm looking at our bank accounts, I'm looking at our debt, and I'm like, I'm doing what the experts are telling Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Like me. (laughs) I'm doing all the things, but yet we're still in debt. We are borrowing from our 401k. We are continuously draining our emergency funds. And here I am. People are asking me for financial advice because they think I'm smart with money. But I carried a lot of shame, a lot of guilt because I knew the situation. So that's what really triggered my journey in terms of what am I missing, right? And that led me to 
my money story, my past money story led to mindset, also led to that emotional piece as well. So I think it's really important. And I love that you're bringing this to your practice as well, because I think it's really, really extremely important. Yes. And our motivation is really important. The ourselves, there's so many aspects that are definitely beyond just the money advice. Yes. Yes. Because it's, like you mentioned, it's a little, you know, yes, we know the basics. Yes, we know we have to save money. We know that we have to spend less. We know that I have to get out of debt. But something's stopping us from being consistently saving. Sometimes something's stopping us from maybe not getting out of debt as quickly as we potentially could, right? And it's what, you know, our daily life, maybe the stressors in our daily life. It can be the mindset that we have. It could be so many things. Uh, that we have to dive. And unless we are aware of that, we can't do anything about it. And we're going to continue that same cycle, right? Like I found myself (laughs) 10 years into our marriage. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this doesn't feel so good. (laughs) Yes, I hear you. I've been there too. Yeah. So would you say with your, uh, your specialty is helping women just really figure out what they're missing in terms of like what's blocking them from moving forward? Or what would you say is your specialty? Yeah. So I think we talked about there's definitely education that happens. What should we be doing? What do we want to be doing? But then I think the mindset shifts that are really important that I would say are are my specialty are reframing our financial well-being to be an act of self-love rather than an act of restriction. So we're helping ourselves get what we actually want. And then also I think there's a lot of baggage around and limiting beliefs around wealth and being rich being kind of a bad word. We say we want it, but then when you think about what comes to mind when I hear the word millionaire or billionaire, we think of all these negative things. So also something that's really important to me is reframing how important it is for women to become wealthy and what that means for the world. So as we become wealthy, we're essentially saving the world (laughs) because it will, there's so many things that have happened in this beautiful spiral of positive things happening. As women have more wealth, we inspire others, we invest in our communities, more ideas are heard, there's more diversity. So reframing how important it is for us to get wealthy, not just for ourselves, but for others too. So what would be your best tip? So if the person listening right now is struggling with this, right, where they want to build wealth, but maybe they've heard time and time again from their family, oh, the rich, they're snobby people or whatever, uh, some negative ill feeling about being wealthy. So how would you, what would you recommend? What is your best step to reframe that? What can you do? Yeah, such a great question. So I think first, and you mentioned this earlier, is just knowing because a lot of times, and I would did this too, I'm like, no, I don't think that. I think being wealthy is great. And that's, it's not like I'm saying these things out loud. In a lot, maybe some cases, they're kind of sideways being said out loud, but I didn't really know that I had these beliefs. So doing an exercise where you just say, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I hear the word millionaire, when I hear the word rich, when I hear the word wealthy, when I hear the word billionaire, and start to uncover, like, what are my fears or my beliefs around someone that's wealthy that would keep me from wanting to be wealthy? And starting there, and I think a lot of times just seeing what we believe, we can say, oh, I know that's not true. I can't believe I believe that. Or in other cases, we actually have to kind of debunk those beliefs because we might really truly believe them. So I would start there just to uncover them and then to start thinking about, are these true? 
if you think they are true sometimes, are they true all the time? Would they be true for you? And kind of taking the emotion and debunking them. Right. Okay. I love that. Now you've also written a book that's on the shelves right now (laughs) called The 30 Day Money Cleanse. So tell me why did you write this book and who is it for? Great question. So when I was working with clients one-on-one, I was noticing that regardless of how much or how little we earned, so a client could be making any range of amount of money, but I was saying the same things over and over. And I mentioned earlier too, how similar food and money are. And so I took a lot of the things I was doing with clients and I created a program called the 30 day money cleanse. And I actually created up off of a food cleanse because that's how similar they are. And then incorporated the things that I was working on with my clients. And I ran it as a live course and over time turned it into, it's a program now that launches a couple times a year. And just to broaden the impact and get it in the, in the hands of more people, I decided it should become a book. And so you, it started as a program, well, it started off as you repeating some of the same things to your clients. So you said, okay, <laughs> let me put this together so they can listen to it, save my voice a little bit. And then you created this program and decided to do a book. So tell us, like, what are some tidbits? What can people expect from reading the book? So is it, is there like a challenge or something to do every single day or since it is a 30 day or how is it broken down? Yes, it's broken down by week and it's an in color workbook with also pages of writing. And so it's definitely interactive and it's definitely think you're doing things every day. There's the idea behind it is you are by the end, you have a plan and I call them happiness allocations. So instead of the word budget, I hate the word budget, but a happiness allocation is just how we allocate our money in the way that's going to make us the happiest, both in the short and long term. And because we're getting really conscious of our spending, we're aligning our spending with our values in it, mitigating environmental toxins, all of these things that have us feel like our lifestyle is actually getting better while we're saving more money for our goals. Love it. And you have a workbook, which I love. Yes. <laughs> we love workbooks and we love. So you said it's a in-color workbook too? Yes. That so there's so exercises awesome. in- incorporated throughout the book. I love that. I love it. So who would you say this is for? Who should pick up the book? I honestly feel like any single person could benefit from it, from having a money cleanse. But for anyone who wants to improve their financial well-being and wants to get more joy from their spending and knows that it's an area that they could improve upon. Love it. Love it. And definitely all around joy. That's a big reframe that I want everyone to experience that being good with money or making positive money decisions aren't at the expense of us having fun or going to mean our life gets smaller. So we can have, it's definitely an and situation where we can make good financial decisions for ourselves, experience more joy and reach our goals sooner. Yes, I agree. Because at the end of the day, we're in control, even though sometimes we feel like we aren't. We are allow our life and our feelings and emotions get the best of us, but we have choices, right? At the end of the day, we can choose to think differently about our money as sometimes it, like I said, it is easier said than done sometimes, especially depending on what's going on around you. But if you remind yourself that it is a choice, <laughs> I think it's easier to just really come back around and and do what you were sharing with just reframing your beliefs and so forth. Yes. It's funny because we think of 
often we battle ourselves when it comes to money. We think, and it's same with food, like don't eat that. You shouldn't buy that. And then that's all we want to do. And often we treat ourselves, quote unquote, at the expense of the thing that we actually want. So it's really not a treat. If all I want to do is go on a vacation, but I buy a random sweater in a store to treat myself and now I can't go on my vacation because I'm doing that multiple times, that's not really a treat. So just, it's definitely personal and it looks different for each of us, but we want to look at things honestly to choose the things that will bring us the most joy. And so Mm -hmm. it ends up being a huge gift. Absolutely. I love it. Well, this has been fantastic, Ashley. I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited about your book as well. A big congrats. Uh, I know where you're at (laughs) and (laughs) what you're going through. So I wish you the very best. And I appreciate you sharing your time and your wisdom with us today. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. What did you think? I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed chatting with Ashley. You can learn more about her over at thefiscalfem.com as well as check out her book, The 30-Day Money Clans on that website. I will also have links to that in today's show notes. Remember, next week is a live webinar. So this is your last chance to sign up where I am sharing four indispensable moves for a slam dunk year. If you haven't grabbed your spot, this class is free. I would go ahead and do it now over at jenhemphill.com forward slash slam dunk. Next week, we will be talking to John Lanza, who is the author of The Art of Allowance. And we're going to learn a thing or two. I know I did behind his methods of allowance. It's a good one. So if you have kids or are planning to have kids, it's a must listen episode. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Ashley for joining us, for sharing her story. Be sure you check out the brief show notes on where to find Ashley and her book over at jenhempill.com forward slash 164. And don't forget, if you love this episode, if you love this podcast, please do share with your friend, stranger, co-worker, family member, because you never really know what's going on in the financial life of someone because we just don't talk about it. So when you share this, it can provide motivation and it can provide that push to keep moving forward. So thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you on the first Thursday of the month. Gracias por escuchar. Chao.